0: Welcome to Sermons by Brad Tuttle. We are so glad you decided to join us today. We know you're going to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged by this powerful sermon. Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Brad. I wanted to come and just share with you real quick before you got into listening to this sermon. Uh, this is a powerful word from uh, the Word of God for all of us. And I just want to challenge you to really listen and to really let it affect your life. Uh, you know, a lot of us, we're going to see Peter, you know, in Peter's situation of messing up, how Jesus dealt with that, how Jesus... Loved him so much in the way he loves us. He he had a desire to to recommission him to restore him uh, back to where he was. And you know sometimes we get really shocked by our ability to deny Christ in certain situations. And you know I'll, of course the devil jumps in there and he says, well now that you've sinned, you know you've kind of forfeited your chance for a successful happy Christian life. So you you know what you might as well go on sinning. And I've seen this a lot in people's lives, but. Just know today as you listen to this sermon that though we sin, we haven't forfeited our chances for a full Christian life, but nor should we go on sinning. The Christian way is that of repentance and restoration, and that's the point of this story, uh, his restoration of Peter in John 21. So God's not through with you yet. If you know someone that feels like they've messed up and they can't be used again, God's not through with them. Jesus recommissions broken pots. He can do it for you. He can do it for anyone else that you know or anyone that's listening. So enjoy this sermon, and I pray that you are greatly blessed from it. God bless you. So the title of our sermon today is He recommissions broken pots. Last week was pretty much evangelistic. They're making calls for people to be saved. This is going to be a little bit more pastoral. He recommissions broken pots. We're going to read in John chapter 21. We're going to start in chapter, or start in verse 4, and we're going to read down through verse 17. So John 21, verses 4 through 17. So we're going to read a lot of scripture today, but we need to set up, set this up in context. Our main verses will start in verse 15. A lot of you know this story. You've read this account many, many times. Uh... But there's some interesting points in here that the Holy Spirit drew me to to minister on this today that I think can touch all of us this morning. So he recommissions broken pots. John chapter 21, starting in verse 4 down through verse 17, main section of verses will be 15 through 17. So if you're there, say, I'm going to wait till everybody's there. You need to give me one second. John 21, verses 4 through 7 says, But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, you do not have any fish, do you? And they answered him, No. They're not knowing who this is. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find a catch. Um, these aren't in my notes, but listen to what Jesus says. Amen. He knows, it better. he knows a better way to do it than you think you're doing it. Listen to what he says. So they cast and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, which was John, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter, this is him, this is Simon Peter, typically, typical of what, how he was. When Simon Peter heard that it was a Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. He was just like that. Uh, <laughs> verse 8, but the, <laughs> he just, it's like Forrest gum jumping into the water and he's, you know... uh, But the other disciples came in the little boat. So the rest of them came in the boat. For they were not far from land, but about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. Verse 9. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire. And when I, I saw the word charcoal, it reminded me back to John 18, 18. And that's when Peter denied Christ in the courtyard. And the Bible says, by a charcoal fire. Two times in the New Testament, charcoal fire is mentioned. John 18, 18, when Peter denied him. And John 21, when Jesus restored him. So, the first charcoal fire was where Peter hit rock bottom. And the second charcoal fire is when Christ showed him divine mercy. Isn't that awesome? Very interesting. So it says, They saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Jesus said to them, so Jesus must have been hit some fish there too. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. When Jesus, When you do it the way that Jesus wants you to do it, it just works out the right way. Amen? So the net didn't even tear. So verse 12. Some of you are trying to do things on your own. You're trying to come up... and and you're trying to push through things in your own power and wisdom, let the power of the Lord help you do these things. Amen. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. It's one of the eyewitness accounts of him being resurrected. So now verse 15, we start in our verses for study this morning. So, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Cometh in. No, (laughs) he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. Verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it says, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Because Peter's denials were public, he needed to be publicly restored. The other disciples needed to hear Peter's reaffirmation or christ's recommissioning of him and his love because they needed to be able to loyally follow his leadership and this moves me somewhat to tears because i'm thinking this is the way jesus is this guy i mean this guy did something denied him three times when jesus said he was going to do it peter said i would never do it i will die for you denies him three times because of peer pressure of a teenage girl and a couple guys around a fire. So let me tell you this. You can say it all you want out of your mouth. But do you really mean it? I hear people all the time, yeah, man, I'm a believer, I'm a believer, I'm a... But that's what Peter said. And when it came down to where the rubber met the road... He was embarrassed or ashamed or didn't want to be counted as one of his disciples. As soon as they finished breakfast, Jesus initiated the restoration. Let him eat first. I thought about this. We're shocked by our surprising ability to deny Christ. We get shocked by the fact that I could actually do that. Um, And when we sin like that, the devil loves to jump in and say, well, now that you've sinned, why don't you just go ahead and forget about it? And, you know, you've blown it. Why don't you just keep on sinning? And someone says, does does that really happen to people? I've seen people like this. They have blown it. They've messed up. Devil gets in their head. Well, you've blown it once. Just keep on going. You're never going to have a successful, happy Christian life. So just keep on sinning. I've seen people do this. But even though we've sinned, we have not forfeited our chances to a successful, happy, flourishing Christian life. Instead, the Christian way is that of repentance and restoration. And that's the point of this story in John 21. So when they had finished breakfast, so I thought about, think about, they're eating breakfast together, and think about what's going on. The God of the universe prepared breakfast for the apostles. So it was kind of like a cookout with Jesus working the grill. He never, there was never a problem for Jesus serving other people. And note the significance of the name that he used. He started off by calling him Simon. Why did he call him Simon? When he first met Peter, Andrew had brought Peter to Jesus. And Jesus said to Peter, You are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas. Cephas in the Aramaic is stands for Rock Man. That's my new nickname. Just call me Rock Man. And uh, I love that name, Rock Man. And uh, in Greek, it's Petros. And that name stuck to him. So he was known as the Rock Man. He was known as the Rock, Peter. But here the Lord reminds him of his name, Simon. The wishy-washy guy. The guy who was spineless. The guy who was double-minded. The guy who wasn't willing to stand up for what he believed in. He brought him back to that. A guy who attempted to boast full of pride, he brought him back to that name. But he needed to do it to restore him. And brought back to him the understanding of this is how great we can think we are in ourselves, but how in reality we fail. Amen? So Jesus deals with him and settles him quietly and says to him, Simon, do you love me? And I love how he puts this on here, more than these. And we'll get to that in a minute. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And maybe some of you theologians know this, but maybe a lot of people don't. When they're going back and forth in their discourse, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. There's two different words used there for, the, for, the, for our English word love in the Greek. And so we all, always go back to the original language. We look in the Greek. So Jesus says love. Peter says love. But there's different meanings to the words love here. Um, here's our summary for the two words for love. The first word is agapao, the word Jesus used. It describes God's love, John 3, 16, love. 1 John 4, 8 love. It's an unconditional, it's a sacrificial love the way that God loves sinful men. That's the word that Jesus used. Um, It's a verb which calls for action. It's the highest love, what we might call today 100% love. So he's asking Peter, or Simon, Simon, do you love me 100%? So Jesus is asking Peter that. The other word for love is phileo in the Greek. word Peter used, it means human love, friendship, what might be referred to as 60% love. So Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me with 100% love? Do you love me with all 100% of you? And Peter's answering him back with a word that meant about 60%, so to speak. Why would Peter answer him with a word that didn't mean I love you with 100% love? Why would why would that go that way? Um, also, Jesus adds more than these, undoubtedly referring to the disciples because remember, Peter said, I love you. Um, he, he once claimed that he loved Jesus more than all the others and he was willing to die. And Jesus is doing this whole process to restore this guy back to where he needed to be because he needed Peter to feed his sheep. It's yeah. ministers to me. So Peter answers. So Peter answers with a 60% love. Um, why would he use that word? Well, I'm sure in your mind, you're kind of realizing why. How many of you realize Peter was probably pretty humbled by this whole thing of denying Christ three times? And if you can't get the depth of that, get the depth of that. Were you one of his? No, I wasn't. And actually, one of the accounts, when Peter's responding back to the person asking, it says he cursed. So he got so aggravated with them being asked or people thinking he was with him, he actually he actually cursed back at these people. So he's humbled by his denials, and which probably explains why he doesn't now want to say, yes, I love you with 100% love, because I've always shown you that I don't. And you know it. I get that. I get that. I, I get where he's coming from as a human being. I... I get wa- I get. that non-wanting to respond back. Saying, I love you with everything in me. He was apprehensive to use that aga- agapao word because he was ashamed of his denials. So Jesus asked him again, do you love me with 100% love? And the second time he mercifully leaves off with the comparison with the other disciples. And again, Peter answers... I love you with phileo, 60% love. And then the third question, he comes down to Peter's level. Instead of asking him with the word agapaho, he asks him with the same word that Peter was using. Do you love me with a 60% love? So I thought about this. Does it seem cruel that Jesus three times in front of all these other guys was asking and confronting Peter whether he loved him or not? Someone could say, that seems a little bit cruel. It seems like it would be a little bit painful, I would think, because here's all your buddies hanging around you, and now Jesus is looking at you going, I mean, it's just like, I mean, he's God, and he's looking at you going, and they're knowing the words, right? They're they're speaking the language. Um, Yet, when you think about it, in the ultimate analysis, it wasn't cruel. The cruel thing would have been to let it go on festering in Peter's mind for the rest of his life. That he had denied Christ, his entire life. Himself and others would think that he was somehow inferior and unworthy of office. Wow. Jesus wanted to do something about that. He still had a call on his life. Mm. So let me say, Amen. So ultimately, it wasn't a cruel thing. It was the kind thing because he needed to be publicly restored so that everybody knew that Peter's past was his past. And that the Lord Himself was going to commission him to service. is that powerful? That's why the Bible calls for public confession of sin. That's why when we sin, we need to confess our sins. God doesn't want to be cruel to us. It's so the matter can end, we can pick up and go on with Jesus. One Bible commentator said, the outstanding theme of this chapter is the public restoration of the Apostle Peter. He who had failed the Lord so sadly in the hour of need might have thought he would never again be recognized as one of the apostles. Think about how he felt after he did it. Have you ever really... um, Let somebody down. But he was just as tenderly loved by the Lord after his failure as before. That's the great thing about Jesus. I wish we could take that in, he said. I contact so many people who tell me more or less the same story. In some way or other, they failed to stand the test and they are conscious of having sinned against the Lord and though truly penitent, they feel that it is all over with them and that the Lord has given them up and that they are hopelessly lost. I say to anybody in here now, or anybody that's going to listen to this online, you are not hopelessly lost. Look at Peter. Jesus recommissions Peter. Amen. This is not only good for those who are in ministry, but it's good for all of us who are as believers in the Word of God and followers of Christ. Jesus recommissions broken pots. Somebody say amen. And we know this because he does this three times. Tend my lambs, shepherd my sheep, tend my sheep. So Jesus accepted his uh, affirmation with phileo love. And this whole interchange between the two, shows us that Jesus can take a broken heart and restore that person back to vital service. Amen. There's people who have left the church or gotten out of church because they've blown it. So I knew a guy uh, back when I lived in Ohio, precious young guy. I think I've told our church people who have been here for a little bit longer this. Precious young guy, had a drinking problem. And uh, this guy, I I could tell, this guy loved the Lord. There There was a real tenderness in his heart towards the Lord. But when things didn't go right in his life, He went into the bar and he drank and he got drunk and then he would come into church the next time and he would be so downtrodden and he's like, I blew it last night. The Lord has given up on me. I know he's, I know he gave up. I know he's not there. He doesn't love me anymore. And, And I would talk to him and say, he still loves you. Just confess it, get it under the blood and keep on going. He would get it. He would do it. You know, he'd come to the altar, we'd pray, he would go on, and the next week later he'd do it again. And all he loved, Lord hates me, and and over and over and over. But Jesus will not leave you there. We leave ourselves there. He's ready to recommission, he's ready to restore. He's ready to bring back you back into that relationship that you are supposed to be having. He's the potter, we are the clay. And sometimes he has to break the first molding in order to remold the clay into a vessel of honor fit for the master's use and prepared for every good work. We are the clay. He is the potter. He recommissions broken pots. And if he asked Peter, I thought about this, to feed his sheep, what is he to feed the lambs and sheep? Well, the only spiritually nutritious meal is the word of God proclaimed and taught in the power of the Spirit. It's not funny stories. It's not testimonies. And it's not our personal experiences. Within what I'm talking to you about each Sunday, I will give you some experience. I will give you some testimony. But if you notice, I'm trying every Sunday to take scripture verses and break them down to you and show you what they mean verse by verse so that you can learn the word of God. Because I am called, I don't care how big this is, I'm called to tend his lambs. This really ministered to me. I'm called to feed his sheep. This is so vital to Jesus that when you're in front of people and this is what you're doing, that you feed his sheep and you, you let them know and teach them. It would not, it's not going to do you any good if I get up and give you a scripture verse and then I proof text it. Don't preach on what it really means just to develop a story that will make you feel good when you go home. That's not learning the word of God. I'm a funny guy. I'm really funny. But I'm not going to stand up here. I don't write jokes into my sermons. I may say something funny to you. It may be funny to him. It may not be funny to you. But I'm, I got some humor in it. But we don't get fed on that. We get fed on the word of God. And if I'm not explaining to you scripture, you're not really getting fed. Somebody say amen to that. So he says, tend my lambs, tend my sheep. Tend the word bosco. <laughs> bosco. Um, it's a present imperative in the Greek, and it calls for this to be the shepherd's lifestyle. So my lifestyle should be one of... And that's what I, I actually enjoy when people ask. They'll, say, they'll text me some question, or if you ever know, I try to get back to you with lengthy answers. Um, uh, so we are to be continually about the business of feeding the lambs. And I, 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 in, in Luke 10... Um, Jesus had called Peter to evangelism, but now, even in the face of this triple denial, he gives Peter an even greater responsibility of teaching those who have been caught. Why? What was the prerequisite? Was it moral perfection? Nope. An academic degree? Nope. Uh, There were no degrees available from the University of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the answer is that in triplicate, Peter loved Jesus. So Peter, Jesus called Peter to feed his lambs, tend his sheep. So let's go on down into verse 17. Before we go home. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it says again, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. So now Peter fully acknowledges the omniscience of God and he's asking him, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. So he's grieved this third time probably because here's this implication that he didn't even support him with a 60% level of love. And I would imagine that just broke his heart. I wrote down a question in here to ask all of you, would that break your heart? If I asked you right now, how many of you love Jesus with 100% love? Think about what 100% love is. You are sold out. Everything about you, Christ is first in every area of your life. Do you love him with 100% love? And I ask you to raise your hands. Do any of us, would any of us, should any of us? We should. We should. Think we do. Peter thought he did. But then his actions didn't meet up with his, his words. Does it break your heart that maybe you're not loving Jesus with 100% love? It should break our hearts. We come to church. We do this church thing, man. We come in. yeah, It's a funny, good story. Yeah, thank you, pastor. What do you preach? I don't remember. And we come in and we do this thing. And, and uh, man, this is supposed to be a place of radical love. Radical love for Christ, a hundred percent love. I challenge all of us. This is not the theme of my sermon, but make a point. Holy Spirit saying to somebody, it's time to start loving Jesus the way He deserves to be loved. We're half in, half out with this stuff. We're in it. We're not in it. We're fired up. We're not fired up. We come. We don't come. We. Read, we don't read, we pray, we don't pray. Man, we're supposed to be. Somebody say amen. We're supposed to be moving forward in this. Amen? If you're not where you need to be, he can restore you back to where that needs to be. But guess what? It can never happen until you confess it. Oswald Chambers says, unless we are experiencing the hurt of facing every deception about ourselves, we have hindered the work of God in our lives. He said the word of God inflicts hurt on us more than sin ever could. Because sin dulls our senses. But this question of the Lord intensifies our sensitivities to the point that this hurt produced by Jesus is the most exquisite pain conceivable. It hurts not only on the natural level, but also on the deeper spiritual level. For the word of God, as my wife said this morning, is living and powerful, piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit to the point that no deception can remain. When the Lord asks us this question, it is impossible to think and respond properly because when the Lord speaks directly to us, the pain is too intense. It causes such a tremendous hurt that any part of our life, which may be out of line with His will, can feel the pain. There is never any mistaking the pain of the Lord's word by His children, but the moment that pain is felt is the very moment at which God reveals His truth to us. Do you love him the way you're supposed to be loving him? So the third time, Jesus obviously accepts Peter's uh, uh, recognized failure and imperfections, and then he says to him, tend my sheep. So the restoration process by this fire, after having breakfast, after Jesus told them how to fish the right way, he'll help you build your business the right way. He'll help you build your family the right way. He'll help you build your marriage the right way, but you've got to listen to him, and you've got to cast your net on the right side of the boat. This whole restoration process at breakfast time was now done. Jesus made it complete by saying to him, Tend my sheep. So think about it. Before he leaves the earth, he instructed Simon Peter to care for the dearest object of his love, his sheep. Jesus loved his sheep. He wanted his sheep. Read Psalms 23. And tell me that Jesus doesn't love his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It talks about the rod and the staff. They protect us. The rod to beat away the wolves and the, and the, or, and the staff to lead us and guide us down those little narrow crevices on the side of the mountain. I mean, he's there to lead us, guide us, make us lie down in green pastures, um, restore our soul. That, that's the shepherd. That's the shepherd loving, loving his sheep. He brings things to us overflowing. He makes sure that the water, sheep don't drink out of running waters, apparently. They like still water. So it says they'll drink by still waters. He made sure the water was still so his sheep could drink and be nourished. That's the shepherd. That's how much Jesus loves his sheep. To tend his sheep, to shepherd his sheep, his lambs, who are immature, vulnerable, and needy, but they are still his. And it's the same responsibility given to every pastor. And I like to think that this is a responsibility to all of us that are in here today. Um, So how could anyone care for them as Jesus does? Only out of love for Him. Only out of love for Him. So in closing, I don't know about anybody in here if the Lord has ever put you, backed you into a corner, so to speak, and asked you... um, the questions that he can ask, and he'll do it through the Holy Spirit. But maybe he's doing that to somebody in here right now this morning. Maybe the Holy Spirit's prompting on you, do you love me? Do you love me? Does your life show today that you're loving Jesus with that 100% love? Where is he on your list of priorities? Is he first? You'll know where he is. Where is he in your list? Where is he on your checkbook? For those of you that still do checks, so to speak. Where is he in your giving? Third, fourth, fifth, not? Remember, we're supposed to give the top part to him because he deserves it. We're supposed to love him more than... I'm supposed to love him more than my wife. The only way that I can love my wife properly is if I love him properly. We love... Jesus. But man, I know we live life and life comes in and it just starts to beat us down and we just get so distracted and so befuddled with everything, but we're supposed to push through that and, do, and, and just love Jesus. And he may ask you those piercing questions, but out of it, we'll see how much he loves us, how his desire for us is to love him more. Now, he wants us to keep moving forward. Jesus recommissions broken pots, and let me close with this story. It says, There was a certain man who had been faithful and worshiping with other believers for many years. Then he became lax and stopped coming to the services. Anybody been there? The pastor was burdened for his spiritual welfare, so one day he called in his home, or he went to his home. The man invited him in and offered him a chair by the fire. The pastor mentioned to the man, how much he missed seeing him in the worship services. The man replied that he was saved and saw no need to go to church. He felt that he could worship just fine at home. For several long moments, they sat in silence and watched the burning embers of the fire, and then, taking the tongs, the pastor removed a hot coal and laid it by himself on the hearthstone. And as it began to cool, its red glow soon faded. The man who had been expecting a verbal rebuke quickly caught the message. He was at church for the next service. It's tough being out of the Lord's will, but it's possible to make things right again. If there was an ember that was used to display your love for God today, would it be red? Or would there be any red in it at all? We can do this thing and not really be in love with Jesus. We can sing worship songs and not really sing them out of a love for Jesus. People go to church to do worship for melodies. Singing songs is out of a love for Jesus and what he has done for you. What's your coal look like today? Is it red? Or is it burning out? And Jesus is willing to, and able to take every broken heart, everyone who's messed up, everyone who's not where they should be today, and restore you back to vital service. Listen, it's repentance, it's restoration, it's recommission. Mm-hmm. Jesus recommissions broken pots. Let him do a work in you today. Make sure you leave this service this morning having let the lord do a work in your heart i'm going to have pastor todd in a moment come up and sing i'm going to play a song here and as we do this altar type time i want all of you to go before him as you're sitting there i want you to go before him and i want you to talk to him today i don't have a big altar area otherwise i'd call us all up i'd call all of us up here right now to kneel at the altar and pray but if you're sitting in your seat today and you're saying you know what There's truth here. I am not loving Jesus with that 100% love. And if he asked me by the fire, I'd probably come back the same way Peter did. You know what? Let's let's not leave here that way. Let's leave here having made some decisions in our heart for how we're going to love Christ. And let him restore us back to where we need to be. Recommission us for service as a vessel of honor. Spend some time with him right now and pray. You know how to pray to him. Talk to him right now. When I first got saved, I um I went to a Pentecostal church. Mm-hmm. And when altar time came, people came to the front. They lay on the floor. We 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 can't lose this emotional aspect of our relationship with Christ, and we've gotten so flower moundish and so Highland Villages in louisville villas, where now we're like, I'm so prim and proper, laying on the floor, kneeling down before the Lord, crying out before God. There's emotion in this relationship with Jesus. Find that in yourself. Find in, your, in yourself your ability to cry before Him, to love Him, to find a place in this room to kneel down sometimes if you have to. It's not about just unneeded emotion, but there's emotion. I love my wife. There's emotion there. With Christ, there should be emotion. There should be tears sometimes flowing. We get so prim and proper and wins us over. And oh, oh, no, love him and love him deep. You only got so many years on this earth to love Jesus as much as you can. You only got so many years to do this. We let so many days go by not even thinking about him, not even considering him, not spending any time with him. He's not first, sometimes he's last. He is great. He is great. I don't want to lose the fire that I had when I first got saved. I don't want to lose that fire of of just that unquenchable fire that just drove me. And I I don't ever want to lose that no matter how old I get, no matter how much I learn. I never want to get so prim and proper. Remember, David's wife mocked him for dancing and praising before God. And you never hear her mentioned again. There's something about being able to worship God. Maybe you're not a jumper. Maybe you're not a spinner. I don't care. You need to have some emotion about what Christ has done for you. Man, if you're born again, you came from darkness to light. Somebody in here needs to be excited about that. We are born again. Great is the Lord today. Saved us. Sanctified us. Restores us back to where he wants us to be. While we live our lackadaisical lives, he's saying, come to me. Come to me. I'm here. I'm here. I recommission you. I want to build you up. I want to use you, but you're not. You're not letting me. Man, my desire, my dream has been to have a church filled. You are a lot, not. That you're not like this, but a church filled with people. Whether we move out of here, where yeah, we'll have some pretty lights, and we might even have some speakers. And we might even have a new coffee pot in the back that fills the place with the aroma of coffee. But it's not about any of that. It's about people coming into the house of God. And that sinner, that person that's been estranged from church, they're watching you be so excited about Christ. And that ignites people, that passion. When they say, to you want to be a successful salesman? Then have passion. Believe in what you're selling. Would people believe that you really believe in Jesus? We want to have a church of people that are living out, selling how awesome Christ is. Can somebody say amen? Somebody says, well, you're too wild. I don't think I could ever be wild enough. Jesus is worthy of everything that I can give him. I don't give him enough. I don't give him all the time, all of myself. Things come in and life comes in and we get tired and it pulls on us and we forget about him. My call to you is my call to me let's let's burn for him thank you for joining us at sermons by Brad Tuttle we pray this sermon blessed you encouraged you, inspired you and challenged you in your walk with Christ thank you for being with us and come back and visit us anytime God bless you